into the corner. DeLon right for three. No good. Tipped up and in by Jakob Pertl. And Fred is woozy. Wow. Like, he's, he's a bit shaken up. He, he is. He looks a little bit wobbly on his feet. And he's trying to shake off Scott McCullough saying, I'm okay. Ellington drives into the lane, floats it up and in. The Heat are going to win and spoil the party for 60. Miami in overtime prevails. 82 regular season games in the books. It's time for playoff basketball. Gareth Wheeler, as always, alongside our Raptors beat reporter, Josh Lewenberg. This is Jurassic Pod, the place you turn for all the Raptors talk you can handle. You're listening on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and iTunes. We thank you for your listenership over the course of what has been an incredible season for the Raptors as your Toronto Raptors enters the playoffs with... The top seed in the Eastern Conference at Wheeler TSN at JLU 1050. Uh, congrats, Josh. You finished what? Your fourth or fifth season covering this team? Lucky number seven, Wheels. Seven? You don't look old enough to have been covering this team for seven years. <laughs> I've seen that's I, a compliment, by the way. I have more gray hairs than I than I did seven years ago. Do you? Now that's I mean the, the the roller coaster of emotions that comes with either covering this team or watching this team. That's what it does to you. I've seen some things, but we've come a long way. When I started covering the team seven years ago, they were all kinds of bad. Twenty three wins, right? In the, in my first year covering them. To now, not 60, not quite 60, but 59. It's still, uh, we've come a long way. They've come a long way. You said it on the broadcast last night that 59 is the new 60. Yeah. I I like that line. Uh, With your your stories, does that mean a future book is going to come out? Feature film? To tell all these deep, dark secrets and stories from behind the scenes. Uh, I don't know. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, it, it is a lot of work. Over the course of this podcast, we'll look at the Eastern Conference playoff bracket, the season that was for the Toronto Raptors. Josh Lewenberg does his annual Raptors Awards. And also, we'll spin you around the rest of the NBA season that was and playoff picture. The Washington Wizards. Back when training camp started, if I was to tell you that the Raptors would be facing the Washington Wizards first round of the playoffs, you probably think, oh, that's a good 4-5 yeah, matchup. I would have guessed 4-5 or 3-6. Yet it's 1-8. How improbable. Maybe I'll ask you this. What surprises you more, that the Raptors ended up 1 or the Wizards ended up 8? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, that The Wizards ended up 8. I mean, we couldn't have predicted, we didn't know that John Wall would miss half the season, and that's probably the biggest reason why the Wizards fell to eighth. Now, there are other reasons. They've been a disappointment for the most part, even when Wall has played this year, but injuries have hit hard, and I've been saying this for, for years, really. They, they are the Eastern Conference's Jekyll and Hyde team. It's not just this season. When they've been at their best, they've looked like one of the best teams in the NBA, but when they've been at their worst, they don't even look like a playoff team. Case in point, the last 12 games, they've lost nine of them. 
And this Wizards team, although that they've shown some decent form from time to time, they didn't finish the, the, the season strong. No. And this is a team over the year, columns were written. It was actually a conversation in the D.C. area whether the Washington Wizards were better Without John Wall. Whether they because, even like John Wall. I mean, there's, exactly. been, there's been infighting, chemistry issues. And that's why, I, I, and another reason why they find themselves in the position that they're in. I mean, it's it's so tough. Like I said, Jekyll and Hyde, their, their floor is so low when they're not playing well. I, I mean, if they're not playing well, this could be a four or five game series for the Raptors. Of, great way of putting it. They've but had, They've that deep floor, but a high ceiling. But they have a high ceiling, a, certainly a higher ceiling than you're used to seeing from eight seeds. And, and the reason being is they're very talented and they're, they're, they're battle tested. Like the Raptors, they've had their highs and their lows in the playoffs, their experience, their core has been together for a long time. There are some similarities here between these two teams. We talked about this on the broadcast yesterday. I I mean, primarily the similarity, of course, is the backcourt. They both have all-star backcourts that have been together a long time. They both have cores in general that they've paid a lot of money for that they've invested in. But the reality in the NBA is when you invest a lot of money in your core you're really putting a premium on player development, right? Because you can't go out and sign big money role players. You've got to scout, draft, and develop your supporting cast. On one side, you've got the Raptors, who have done that, and that's the biggest reason why they're the best team in the Eastern Conference, because they have that depth of young talent. And on the other side of things, you you have the Wizards, who haven't. I mean, they, they found... Otto Porter Jr., and now he's a part of their expensive core. They found Kelly Oubre, who's had a good year. But outside of that, this is not a deep team. So if you're looking for the Raptors' advantage here, and I believe there are many advantages that they have going to this series, the biggest one is probably their depth. The final day of the season was supposed to decide, and did decide a lot, it didn't, in the Eastern Conference at least, turn out to be all that dramatic. The Wizards <laughs> mailed it in. Like comp- Watching that game on one of our secondary monitors, the Magic Wizards, it was two teams that didn't want to win. But Orlando picked up the W on the last game of the season. Tankapalooza. The Milwaukee Bucks weren't even close, getting played out of the gym against the Philadelphia 76ers, who, by the way, have won 16 straight. And the Raptors go on and lose to the Miami Heat. But... Regardless about the Raptors' result in the final day, because the Wizards lost, that that was going to be the matchup. So the Raptors, even if they wanted to, could not have avoided this matchup. Now, a lot of people in the city are thinking, oh God, last time we saw the Wizards in the playoffs, the Raptors got swept away. Uh, It wasn't good. Uh, You can even use the word embarrassing, and it would be quite fitting. But let's be honest, these two teams have changed a lot. The core star groups are the same. Valanciunas, Lowry, DeRozan, they're all back. Everyone else is new. And as for the Wizards, Wall, Beal, Porter, and Gortat Gortat are back. Everyone else is new. So I'm not sure how much that playoff series two seasons ago should really matter, (laughs) or we should even consider playing any kind of role in this series. I I mean, depending on how this plays out now, 
you can certainly look at that series as a, a blessing in disguise for the Raptors because I think it was a wake-up really? call. It, no, I do. <laughs> that's I, a that's a stiff wake-up call, buddy. That is cold water I'll being tell you poured this. over I'll t- you. I'll, I'll tell you this. The Raptors don't win 59 games this season if not for getting swept in that series and for getting swept last year. Both of those, and that's why it's so interesting here because you're facing the Wizards now. You could be facing the Cavaliers in round two. Those are the two wake-up calls for this. Those are the two... Culture reset moments for this franchise. Right. Let's rewind to 2015. Remember, Kyle Lowry went into that series. He was banged up. He had the back injury. He was not healthy, but he was also not in good shape. He, the shape that Lowry was in at the time, is the biggest reason why he wore down towards the end of the season. He wasn't built to last 82 games. So what happened that next summer? We were introduced to hashtag Skinny Kyle. Right. He he. <laughs> Whipped himself into shape, <laughs> whipped himself into shape, it changed his uh, habits, his routine, uh, got his personal chef, and even though he's had injuries since, he's gotten himself in, in much better shape. I, I think the organization learned a few things uh, about what they needed to do. They went out and they completely remade Dwayne Casey's coaching staff, Nick Nurse, Rick, Rex Kalamian, guys that are currently being credited in part for the hashtag culture reset. And a completely different roster around those guys. Were brought in after that sweep to Washington and a completely different roster. They said goodbye to Lou Williams, who had a great season here, but certainly he... Vasquez. Yeah, those guys were a part of the reason why the Raptors were great offensively that year, not so great defensively. So that was a big part of the... The reset before the reset, and then of course, <laughs> and then of course, let's call it the preset. The preset, and then <laughs> and then last year's loss to Cleveland reminded them that hey, they they've got to change the way that they play. So I think both of those. Listen, you go through if you're building long enough, if you have the same team, the same core, you're going to go through things. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, right. and you've got to learn from the. You've got to learn from the obstacles that that you face. So I think the Raptors have done that here. But this is the ultimate test, right? They're going to be tested. Uh, Will their new system hold up? Will they be able to, as they say, exercise their playoff demons? It's only fitting that they're going to be tested against those two teams that have given them the most playoff headaches over the years. Okay, so... Game one goes 5.30. Saturday night down at the Air Canada Centre. We have coverage for you on TSN 1050. Is this a good matchup for the Raptors? Like, I would no. love to see them land on the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. That was my preference. What is Washington for you? The two teams split the season series 2-2. Like I said, they, what makes them tricky is their ceiling is much higher than you would expect from an eight seed. Right, their ceiling is much higher than the Bucks's. It's higher than the the Heat, uh, the Heat ceiling. Their floor is a lot lower than those two teams too, and that's why I, I, I say this is a, an unpredictable series. I'm taking the Raptors in five because I'm betting on the Wizards' floor. We've seen a lot more of their floor this season than we have their ceiling. But that said, we haven't seen a lot of John Wall. So the ceiling is certainly possible, and that's what scares you as a, as a Raptors fan, because if the Wizards are at their best, as we've seen over the last few years, even in the playoffs occasionally, then this could be a, a, a long and tough series for both teams, and it could be a series that Washington wins if they are playing as well as they're capable of playing. 
And it's about the Raptors playing. This is what it comes down to. I think this is a real difficult matchup because the Wizards have good outside scoring. Bradley Beal, he's an all-star caliber player. <coughs> Otto Porter Jr., good outside shooter. Now, beyond beyond the outside scoring, Josh, they have length. John Wall has length. Yep. Senaransky, he has length. Ubre, he has a little bit of length. And... For me, it's going to be dealing with them, first of all, that you're going to have to contend with. If the Raptors' front court is outplayed by Gortat and whoever, like it was Gortat and Nene and Drew Gooden two years ago, then no bueno. It's not going to work out well for the Raptors. (laughs) But the front court of JV, Abaka, Pirtle, Siakam have a huge role to play because against a team with three-point shooting and against a team with length, you got to rebound that you know what are the ball and you need some kind of rim preference to really try to make that team a mid-range, a, a mid-range Wizards group, not a team that can get the job done inside and kill you on the outside as well. Well, that's how Washington got the Raps back in 2015, the length. And athleticism of Otto Porter disrupted DeRozan. John Wall, when he's healthy and when he's when he's going full when bore. he's John Wall when he's John Wall. But also, John Wall is one of those guys where it's always been tough to pinpoint what kind of defender John Wall is because when he's going full bore defensively, I think he's a really good defender at that point guard position. But there's been stretches. There's even been seasons where. He's taken games off, plays off, seasons off defensively, and all of a sudden he's not such a great defender. But he's the type of guy that can get under Kyle Lowry's skin. So you're right. I I think the X factors are in the front court. Valanchunas, who for whatever reason has struggled against Gortat before, I I say for whatever reason because he shouldn't. He shouldn't. He's a better player, and it's a, a, a more traditional matchup for him. Right. He needs to get the better of Gortat at that center position. And Sergi Baca, as we know, I mean, Sergi Baca has been the X factor for the Raptors, I believe, for a while now. It's probably good news that he's coming off of arguably the best stretch of the season for him. He's been great over the last couple weeks here as he's gotten some rest, some days in between games. He's been generally better uh over the last season and a half as a Raptor. Right. You look at the Raptors' playoff schedule here, they're going to have two days in between Game 1 and Game 2, two days again in between Game 2 that's not and Game for, 3. Honestly, Josh, when that came out... It's good out, for Serge Ibaka. Well, that's, that's what I want to get to, because it's not good for anyone. It's I not good for hate us. the two days between games. Even if you're a team that's on a good run... Having to wait two days to then get back in on the court doesn't work for anyone, but it may work well for Serge Ibaka. Yeah. It may be the Ibaka favor. We could see it three times in this series. There's two days in between Game 1 and Game 2, two days in between Game 2 and Game 3, and then if necessary, there's two games, uh, two days in between Games 4 and 5. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's not great for anybody, certainly... If the Raptors lose game one again and then have to hear about it and think right. about it for two more days, like that's tough. The game, game one is huge. Game one is big. They've got to come out and they've got to carry over some of that momentum, some of that rhythm that they've talked about uh, from the regular season, especially because they played their dudes. They played their guys in in the last game of the season, which is something I know you weren't happy about. But we'll that's, get into that in a moment. That, that's why the Raptors did it, in the hopes of going into game one 
with some sort of mojo. Uh, and it's going to be big for them because I think, uh, obviously, it's not a must-win game logistically. Like, we know that they can bounce back. They have bounced back after losing game one. But just take away the tension, man. Mentally, like, to get that monkey off their back. Well, to... and emotionally, I think the fans need it as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, 100% need, need it. it. If, you, if you believe in point differential kind of being a determining <laughs> factor on how teams will perform in the offseason, the Raptors have a 7-point-plus point differential that's better than the Wizards over the regular season. That's a bigger gap between any two teams in any playoff series this NBA playoffs. I don't know if you believe in that or not, whether that actually matters, but the Raptors, more so than any team in the playoffs, have a better regular season point differential aggregate between them and their opponent. It's Raptors 7.2 over the Wizards. The Rockets have a 6.3 over the Timberwolves. Sixers 4 over the Heat. So that's a pretty substantial number. Now, you got to be wary we kind of documented why Washington can be dangerous, but this preferred starting five, and throw Markeith Morris, who we haven't brought into the equation, into the mix, they beat Atlanta in the playoffs last year and took the Boston Celtics to seven games. They look good. They fought, and they were a much different team come playoff time last year. You just hope that that switch doesn't get flipped and you see a Washington Wizards team that shouldn't be an 8 seed that should be more of a 4 or 5. But, with that being said, Raptors are still a better team no matter what, even if they do. They're a better team. They're not a lucky team. And and this is a this is a bad draw. And I'm not just talking about the Washington Wizards. You look at the Raptors' path, potential path through the Eastern Conference, and I don't think you could have picked... A so, tougher wizard, path. Wizards, Pacers, Bucks. Are you saying that that's a tough road? What? <laughs> it's a joke. Lighten oh. up. Pacers are going to beat the Cavs, Josh. Stay with me. The Bucks are going to come out of the I, other I, side I, of the I, bracket. I, I didn't get where you were going with that. Oh, um, man. Oh, man. I'm here all week. Try the veal. Go. Finish your point. <laughs> where was I before that? Um you the toughest path to potentially making a final. You've got eight Eastern Conference playoff teams. Obviously, subtract the Raptors there, so you've got seven. You could pick any three to go through to get to the finals. The three teams that I would least want to see of those seven are Washington, Cleveland, and Philadelphia. Right. Obviously not in that order, but those are the three that scare me the most, Right. Good thing the game. Like Boston is without Kyrie. They right. they don't scare you as much as they did, obviously, with Kyrie. Uh, Indiana doesn't scare me. Milwaukee doesn't scare me. Miami to a degree, but they don't scare you. The now, th- are you finding the humor in my joke that I mentioned other teams? No, I got it. I got okay. it. It's very good. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> you're making the laughing noise, but your eyes say, "Damn you, Wheeler! Damn you!" We need the, we need the, taken, though, we need the laugh track for this. Point thing. if everything goes to the way it's supposed to go, based upon you know the form of these teams, we're expecting the Sixers to be the favorite to come out of the other side. You're expecting the Cavs to beat the Pacers. If everything goes to plan, which there's no guarantee, there's no guarantee. Yes, it would be the toughest road possible. There's no guarantee, especially with the Sixers. I, I mean. As hot as they are right now, as I said, I think the playoffs are a different animal. You're I not think a believer. I, I'm not. I'm not a huge. Buy, I'm not a huge believer. I think they get by. They've got who Miami. Miami. In the first, I think they yeah. get by Miami. I think they they might have some difficulty in the second round with the Bucks. 
jo- with, the, the way, with the Celtics. To our listeners, yeah, Josh and I have full a disclosure wager. Here. We won't say for how much or what the what the stakes are, but we I called it last week, not knowing who the Celtics would play. I guarantee that the Boston Celtics would lose in the first round. So Josh is Boston. I have Milwaukee. I'm extremely confident. I'm extremely confident. So there you go. There you go. Take that. Greek freak. I'm eating nothing. I'm all I'm doing for this whole entire first round of the playoffs, I'm eating out on the damn fourth. I'm just dominating Greek food to throw my support behind Giannis. How's that sound? That side of the bracket, the Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Miami, that that side of the bracket is it, peak Eastern Conference. It, it's it's peak Eastern that's what the Eastern Conference has been about let's in call, recent years. Let's call it murky. I'll I'll <laughs> say that kind that side of the bracket is murky, but let's put it this way. The Cavaliers are in good shape, at least in round one, I would th- I don't think there's a more lopsided series in either conference. And you can run this audio back if and when they oh, lose in the first will, round. Buddy. We will. I don't think there's a more lopsided first round matchup than Cavs, Pacers, 4-5 in the Eastern Conference. I think that's over in four or five games, which is what really concerns you if you're, the, if you're a Raptors fan because not only are you worried about facing LeBron and Cleveland in the second round, but I think you have to be very worried about facing arrested LeBron and Cavs team in the second round. So that's why, I I mean, the Raptors are going to have to, not only are they going to have to take care of business, but they're going to have to take care of business quickly because I think Cleveland might be sitting there and waiting for them in round two. All right, we'll we'll go through the entire bracket in a few moments' time. We'll share why... Game 82 stressed me out more than any other game of this NBA season. And with that stress came frustration. Some thoughts on that. And uh, Josh Lewenberg's Raptors End of Season Awards. All that's coming up. Wheeler and Lewenberg with you. This is Jurassic Pod. They're one of the teams that beat us at home, um, like, but that game was a, you know, I got thrown out the first couple minutes, but, um, you know, they haven't had John at any time that we play him, so he presents a different challenge. Say we didn't win this many games for nothing, but, you know, now it's time for us to take it to another level. We can't rely on what we did during the season, record-wise. Now we got to take it to another level and understand we could be we could be a lot better. Well, you know, it's a different season. It's a clean slate. We got to, you know, have we have our habits. We know who we are. We have our identity. We got to play with it throughout with our identity, Zick, and uh, go from there. The final Jurassic Pod over the regular season, playoff Jurassic Pod, well, it's probably going to sound the same. Gareth Wheeler, Josh Lunenberg with you. Unless, Josh, you have some grandiose plans you're not telling me about. Nothing? Nothing up your sleeve for playoff There coverage? is always something up my sleeve. Okay. Each well, one will be better than the one before. We'll figure out what exactly is up Josh Lewenberg's sleeve. Maybe we should have you wearing a basketball jersey so we know what's on your arms at each and every time. Uh, We'll move away from this horrible pun that has gone on way too long and get into why the last game of the regular season stressed me out more than any other game, Josh. It stressed me out watching you react to it. We all understood that 60 wins meant something. And... We all admit, we, I think you and I were on the same page there. 60 wins mattered. It's a benchmark. It's a nice round number. And teams that win 60 games, it generally means good things come playoff time. The Raptors went all out. And I mean all out 
losing in overtime 116-109 to the Miami Heat. Overtime basketball wasn't in the plan. Playing Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, in my opinion, almost 39-38 minutes respectively, shouldn't have been in the plan, but it was. It wasn't only that the game and the players were playing big minutes trying to press (coughs) on for that 60-minute win. That was a physically demanding game. Lowry taking charges. DeMar DeRozan going into the front row. Serge Ibaka potentially losing some chiclets. Like, players took punishment in a game that was seemingly meaningless for the big picture. And that made me feel really uncomfortable throughout. We'll get into Fred Van Vliet in a moment. But was this a strategy that you agreed with going pardon the pun, balls to the wall in Game 82 of this season. It's a strategy that I understand. I'll use the word understand instead of agree, because I think, I mean, there there are two strategies here, obviously very different ones, going into a game like this. You either shut it down, as most teams do, rest your guys, or, as the Raptors did, you, you play straight up and go full bore. Uh, in the end... We're going to judge this based on hindsight, right? If it if the Raptors come out like gangbusters in Game 1 and win, look great, carry over that momentum from the regular season, we'll say, okay, well, this was probably the right move then, especially if Van Vliet turns out to be healthy. If Van Vliet turns out not to be healthy, and or if they end up losing Game 1, then we say, well, why did you do... It was why? all, it, it was all for naught. So we're going to judge this in hindsight, but I'll say that I understand the strategy, if for no other reason than the Raptors have used the opposite strategy in the past, and it's blown up in their face. That's Dwayne Casey's thinking here, and I can tell you that because we talked to him about it a, a week ago, but also a month ago. Even going into the final month of the season, we asked Casey how he was going to manage minutes, manage rest, and he told us, listen... We're going to find opportunities to rest our guys. And they did. They sat out Lowry a couple weeks ago. They sat out DeRozan a couple weeks ago. And then they sat out DeRozan, JV, and Ibaka for a game in the back-to-back last week. He said, we're going to find opportunities to rest guys, but it's not going to be the game before the end of the season well, because they want to go <sighs> into the playoffs. It, listen, it's very tough for any team, let alone the second youngest team by average age in the playoffs to flip the switch. And we've seen that before. They sat everyone out in the final game of the season, I think the last two years, and the result was a poor effort in game one. So they tried it one way. They're trying it a different a different way this time. I get it. I, I get it made you nervous. It made me nervous. It made a lot of people nervous, but I understand why they did it. There's a reason why other teams where the game meant nothing didn't risk their players on Wednesday night. The Houston Rockets played nobody. The Cleveland Cavaliers played LeBron James 10 minutes just so he could say he played 82 games on the regular season. The Celtics, I mean, it was the main Red Claws playing that game. The Indiana Pacers, who were locked into the five seed, you know, sat Oladipo, sat their main guys as well. It's, it's a risky strategy for me. Um, here, here's part of the reason why they couldn't. Because the Raptors 905 played in the G League Finals on Tuesday night. All those G League guys were still in Mississauga. So unless you fly them out and make them play back-to-back-to-back nights, then which would have been an extremely difficult stretch for those young players, 
Um, that was the only other option, and it really wasn't an option for this team. So you were going to risk and have to play guys that you're going to lean on come playoff time anyways. What I didn't like, Josh, and you and I chatted at halftime. You play Lowry, you play DeRozan in the first half. I was shocked that, that they went back that, out that, there and played. That's and probably not, what I would have done. And not just that, played fourth quarter minutes and basically the entirety of overtime. Here's the thing. I, Why? I, I, Why? I, I don't like... I get, I don't like the idea of of risk in this situation because you can make that argument. Listen, the Raptors clinch what they needed to clinch in game 70, 78, if I'm not mistaken. So the last three games, 79, no, sorry. So they clinched in 79, last three games, game 80, 81, and 82, yeah. they've had nothing tangible to play for. So technically speaking, running anyone out there at any time would be a risk. But, but you can't think like that. Yeah, this is you can't think like but, that. But Josh against Detroit, who finished that game in Detroit? It was the bench players. It wasn't Lowry and DeRozan. And as much as the bench, Siakam, Pirtle, these guys are going to play big roles along this playoff run, Lowry and DeRozan are going to take your team as far as they'll go. They're your two-star players, and Lowry was taking charges, and LeBron J- or, sorry, De- DeMar DeRozan was playing physical, and the Miami Heat were taking some liberties as well. They were playing hard and sometimes dirty, and it was just such an unnecessary risk, and the Raptors did have a victim, and that was Fred VanVleet, just a couple minutes to go, <laughs> caught by a moving screen, went down, immediately grabbed his right shoulder. They're calling it a right shoulder bruise. At time of taping, we don't know what the latest on him was, but it looked more than just a shoulder. He was wobbly getting up. He was not on solid grounds. And that, it, it, for Van Vliet, a guy that you have a man crush on, and I say that in the best way possible because I do too, Josh. The guy's been so right, valuable, wait, wait, wait. To, so valuable to this team. If he can't go game number one, then oh, you boy. know, you know where I'm going with this, though. You know where I'm going with this. Even if the Raptors pull their stars late in game, late in that game, they sit Lowry, DeRozan, they they go. Even if they treat that as garbage time, they treat those as garbage minutes. Van Vliet's on the floor. Van Vliet is I... almost certainly on the floor because but the, the game the, might not the, be that competitive. The, the, G League, the G League guys weren't with them, were they? No. So who are the five guys that you put on the floor well, in that Powell, situation? Norman Powell could have been there. That's, but I'm one, with you. that's Van, one. Van Vliet probably wouldn't. He played a lot of garbage minutes this season but simply he... because that's what happens when you have so much debt. They have 12 rotation players essentially. So with, with 12 rotation players on a 14-man roster... That means that you've got to play some rotation players even in garbage minutes. Well, th- then I will go out and say, well, Dave Vliet was coming back from a back anyways. So it probably would have been DeLon Wright, Norm Powell. I would have played OG Ananobi, and then Siakam Pirtle in your front court. So you're, um, you're, you're so-called risking guys in yeah, that situation there's, too? There's, there's always going to be a risk. But the fact that the game was being played at some times... Like a like a playoff intensity. Why don't why don't you look at why why don't you look at that and say that's a good thing? It's a test. It's preparation for what they're what they're about to face. It's a great point, Josh, because I'm not ruling that ruling that out. If the Raptors come out on Saturday against Washington, five thirty at the ACC, like a house on fire, that'll say, you know what, Casey, the coaching staff, the game plan with the front office, man, it worked. I'm glad that they pushed the buttons, and I'm and I'd be the first person to hold my hand up and say, you know what? That's what the team needed. Well, that's but right that, now, that's what I'm rooting for. If for no other reason right than now, I hate, I can't stand the Gareth Wheeler. I told you so. No, no, because it just it, 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 you the, can, the thought of it scares me. 
It's just that way because they did something in game 82 that no other team in their position did. Okay? And that was playing a game like that for your final game of the season, playing those players and taking that risk. And how many of those other teams that chose the other strategy have never won a game one in a first round well, series? I, I don't have those stats in front of me, but Houston has plenty to prove. Plenty. They, they, they laid they, they an egg they in do. San Antonio last year, and their star player, James Harden, was much maligned. It, this is a huge playoff run for them. You don't think that the Pacers have something no, to No, okay, but for, for the Raptors, the issue isn't necessarily just that they haven't held up in the playoffs. It's, it's not, that's why they did their, their culture reset, their system change. The issue for the Raptors in each of the last four years has been the start, right? right. It's been they're starting off those series on the wrong foot by, I don't want to say easing their way in, but they certainly haven't looked like the regular season version of themselves right coming out of the gate in Game 1. And that's what I think Dwayne Casey was trying to guard against well, here. Look, can, can we settle on this? I understand what Dwayne Casey and the coaching staff yes. was doing. And so do I. But I don't agree with it. And that's fine. Because I'm not sure that I fully agree with it either. Like I said, if I'm the coach in that situation, I do play them. I play them in the first half, maybe even more than I usually do in the first half. And then I sit them in the second half. I think that sort of would have been that, that the happy medium there. I was surprised to see them closing out the game, even though I guess right. looking back at it, he, Casey did hint that this is what they, they he said they were going to play it straight up in the final game of the season, and that was as straight He's up as you're going to get. Exactly. So maybe I shouldn't have been surprised by it. Like I said, I'm not sure I fully agree with it because I probably would have sat them in the right. second half, but I understand, and you understand. Uh. Fred Van Vliet's health is important anyways. Huge. Like he's, he's just he's such a critical player for this team. He comes off the bench uh and brings you a lot in terms of demeanor, in terms of approach. Raptors always look good with two or three point guards on the floor at once, but it's the fact that he can hit down that three-point shot. And potentially no Fred Van Vliet means you're relying upon one guy really coming off the bench who is supposed to be able to hit down a three. And that is CJ Miles. And Miles is going to play a critical role no matter what, but no Fred Van Vliet, potentially, and we don't know. I, this is pure speculation, means a whole lot more Norm Powell, where you hope that you get playoff Norm Powell yeah. and not 2017 2018 Norm. Well, first of all, it's worth noting that the matchup on paper would actually make more sense for Norm than it even does for OG. I mean, OG will probably get the assignment out of the gate on Bradley Beal. OG struggled against Beal this season. Beal went off in in a few of of those meetings against the Raptors. Norman Powell, in a small sample, actually had more success against Beal this season than OG did. Uh, That said, there's no question... Fred Van Vliet is crucial to, for for this team, to this series. In the awards piece that I wrote, in which he was almost a unanimous selection for sixth man, the only guy that didn't vote for him. Did you tease it here? I am teasing it here. The only guy that didn't vote for him was Fred Van Vliet himself. So nearly unanimous choice there. In that column, I compared him to 
Patrick Patterson in that he's the glue of that second unit. He, like Patrick Patterson, he's got a high basketball IQ. He is, uh, he, he does all the little things on, on both ends of the floor, things that often go overlooked. But the biggest difference is this, and I'm sure this is the first difference that popped into the mind of Raptors fans when, when reading that or, or hearing this. Patterson, rightly or wrongly, deservedly or not, uh, developed a, a reputation for shying away in big moments. Well, he couldn't he, shoot. He, he, he'd get the, well, he wouldn't shoot a lot of the time, too, right? He'd miss a few shots, and all of a sudden, he would shy away from it. He would pass up good looks. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest difference here, because Van Vliet has shown no fear in those situations. Not only is he willing to take those big shots and big moments, but he has made some big shots and big moments. So for all those reasons, as a glue guy, but also a guy that is willing to, to take those big shots, and, and remember, he's played the most fourth-quarter minutes of anyone on this team, they need him. Now, the good news is I mean, we don't have much information at the time in which we're recording this podcast. Hopefully, we'll learn more Thursday evening as the Raptors hold their uh, availabilities. At this point, it doesn't seem like it's serious. It seems well, it didn't look good. That, well, that's what that's. But but again, do you remember we'll when Norman Powell went down with his ankle injury? The game, but that didn't look I good know. either. Sometimes things don't look good. I know. Sometimes things do look fine and they end up being worse. So you never know with these things. From everything I've heard, and again, it's just little snippets behind the scenes. It sounds. Like he'll be fine, but we don't know. He took to Twitter last night. Hell of a regular season. Prayers up. The real season starts now. Uh, bet on yourself. We the North. He's tough so. as nails, so you know if he can go, he will go. Do you know if he tweets with his right arm, left hand, right hand? I don't know. No. <laughs> We'll leave that alone. It's Raptors Wizards Saturday at the ACC game number one. Uh, we got it for you right here on TSN 1050. Coming up next, our thoughts on the NBA playoff bracket, some other news and notes from around the league, and Josh Lewenberg's end of season Raptors awards. Coming up, Wheeler and Lewenberg with you. This is Jurassic Pod. DeLon Wright has it. It's a four-on-two Raptors lob to Siakam, who jams it down. Van Vliet on Horford, step back three, good! Down the bottom of the well for Fred Van Vliet. Rosen, jumper in the air, good! Oh, he's shaking him down tonight, he's got 48. We're all set for the playoffs here on Jurassic Pod. Gareth Wheeler, Josh Lewenberg with you at Wheeler TSN at JLU1050. If you take a look at the playoff bracket, Josh, let's get some initial impressions and maybe a potential prediction about who may come out of each first-round series. Raps Wiz, we've talked about it at length. I can't see the Raptors losing, although I'm a lot less confident now than I would have been, let's say, a month ago. I, I could see the Raptors losing in a scenario where, again, you got the the best version of the Wizards. As I said, it's so unpredictable because their ceiling is so high, their floor is so low. I'm going to bet on the floor because we've seen a whole lot more of the floor from Washington this season. So I'm going to bet on the floor. I'm going to say Raptors in five. Uh, okay. I'll go wrap six. Again, I felt a lot more comfortable a month ago <laughs> than I do right about now. I'm betting on Lance Stevenson to blow in LeBron James' ear. It's the Cavs <laughs> and Pacers. Look, the Pacers have been perennial underdogs 
each and every step of the way this year. And I just think they got a horrible matchup here against LeBron James. And that's why. It, this isn't an indictment on the Pacers. It's more about, I don't know how they beat the Cavs, quite frankly. Cavs in five. Cavs in four. Okay. Sixers heat. I think the Sixers roll with or without Embiid. They may be the most dangerous team in the NBA right now. They're playing that well. Markel Fultz is back. He looks a different player. Ben Simmons, just a beast. Sarich got outside shooting with Bellinelli, Redick. I think they got some balance. Guys like Covington, Holmes can get after it. This is a real solid team. Sixers in six. <laughs> this, is, this is, oh man. This is, I, I think this is the worst possible matchup for the Sixers. Uh, this is a team in, in the heat, mentally, physically tough. They're going to beat the crap out of the young Sixers. And the biggest fear, I think, for Philadelphia is a team that really locks in on you defensively and says, all right, Ben Simmons, beat us with your jump shot. Markel Fultz, beat us with your jump shot. Uh, I, I'm going to say this series goes seven. Okay. I'm going to say Miami in seven. I know I said earlier in the podcast that I think the Sixers would get past Miami. I'm I'm rethinking it. It's still still all fresh in my mind now. I also, I bet on the Phillies to win the the World Series, which is probably ill-advised. Eagles, Villanova. Yeah. Yeah, Flyers. I don't think so. Anyways. Miami Heat in seven. I'm going on the record. Bucks in seven over the Boston Celtics. Maybe Bucks in six. I haven't decided. But the Bucks are winning that series. Josh, we already explained that we have a bet. we got to fly through these. Celtic, um, Celtics in six. The Bucks are brutal. It was funny. After our broadcast last night, I heard a, uh, a Minnesota Timberwolves broadcaster for ESPN talking about the, the series against the Houston Rockets. He thinks they're going to get skunked. So who am I to question him? Rockets over the Timberwolves in four. Timberwolves can't defend. And you're going up against the best offensive team in the league. Good luck. I'm rolling with Houston. You? Rockets in five. Okay. Thunder Jazz. <laughs> I, I think the Oklahoma City Thunder is a team, a sneaky NBA Finals pick. I think the Thunder beat the Jazz in six. Thunder in seven. Blazers, Pelicans, two upstart teams. I'm rolling with Lillard. No one upset here, even though the Pelicans continue to surprise. I go Blazers in six. Go Blazers in five. And Warriors woo, against the San Antonio Spurs. Ooh. If Kawhi Leonard was playing, maybe I think that the Spurs got a chance with Steph Curry out. With no Kawhi, I don't know. I still think it might go the distance, Warriors in seven. I'm going to say Warriors in five. Okay. So those are our first-round playoff predictions. Shout-out to Dylan Brooks, final game of the season. 36 points, the most in a game for a Canadian rookie. Amazing. What a feel-good story from a second-year Canadian player. So Memphis has been a horrible first, first, year. First-year first year, first year Canadian First-year, that's what and, I meant. And, and, and what a rookie season it was yeah. for him. Uh, I'm not sure anyone saw that coming, but right out of the gate, Memphis gave him the opportunity that, I, I mean, I think he deserved. Yeah. And, and he ran with it, and full credit to him for that. Second-round picks, they work out. We've seen them up here. With We've seen Fred VanVleet doesn't even get drafted. So yep. good on Dylan. Uh, we're really proud of him up here. Uh, Russell Westbrook gets 20 rebounds in his finale. Needed 16. Averages yet another triple-double. And somehow he's not going to win the MVP. It's, it's James Harden, right? Like James Harden's going to win this award. And he deserves it. Back 
back-to-back years with a triple-double. The first time. I never thought in our lifetime we'd see this. Yet we've now seen it twice in a row by Russell Westbrook. Okay, the dude la- is insane. L- last year he won the MVP despite his team not finishing as a top whatever, yeah. top few seed, which rarely happens. But he was sort of given the benefit of the doubt because it's like, all right, look what he has to work with. This year, what he has to work with is one of the best cores in the NBA, the, the right. three-headed monster of Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, and Russell Westbrook, well, and yet and yet they still didn't finish as a top seed, so that's the biggest reason why I think he's not deserving this year, whereas he was deserving last okay. year. Uh, coaches are starting to get fired at time of taping Frank Vogel out in Orlando, Jeff Hornacek out in New York. While we're placing bets, how much do you want to bet that a current Raptors assistant, I'm including Stackhouse in that mix, either Stackhouse, or Nurse, or Kalamian end up coaching the Orlando guarantee, Magic next year? I'll guarantee they will. One of them will. Where, where can I place that bet? I've got to find someone that's willing to take that right. bet for me. Well, look for a sucker and then maybe they'll take that bet. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Jerry Stackhouse of the Raptors 905. A completely different team in the G League. Took that group, not as talented as the team that won the title the year before, took them to the finals where they lost in two games to the Austin Spurs. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse finishes his two-year coaching career with the Raptors 905, 70-31. He's, dest- he's the guy that I would put right in front of Rex Kalamian in terms of the queue for an NBA head oh, coaching I th- job. I think Nurse is ahead of Kalamian. Really? Yeah. Because Kalamian was linked to some jobs last year. So uh, Chris Mannix put out his column uh, a couple weeks ago where he interviewed uh, or spoke to 30 or so NBA execs off the record, asked each one of them for two or three uh, assistant coaches in the league that come to mind as the next guy. Nick Nurse. And they couldn't vote for anyone in their own organization. Yeah. And Nick Nurse got the most votes of any assistant coach in the NBA. Wow. Another... Stack, Stackhouse was towards the middle of the list, and Kalamian was at the bottom of that Interesting. list. Interesting. Nurse, another D-League, G-League guy in terms and, of and, his pedigree. And an offensive guru, a guy that is gets a lot of credit for the way the Raptors have reinvented their offense in a time in which offense has never been more important and creativity has never been more important on that end of the floor in the NBA. Josh, uh, we only have a couple minutes left. Uh, It's a great read on tsn.ca. The Raptors pick end-of-season award winners. Uh, He gets the players on the team to pick. He gets the fans (laughs) to pick. And he puts his own TSN pick behind them all. We don't have time to go through each and every category. Maybe you can share the highlights, some of the things that stood out to you, and the big ones, the big daddies of these awards. Well, the big one is the MVP, and it was a unanimous selection for DeMar DeRozan. Of course, the reason it was unanimous was because he voted for himself. And I'm sure a lot of people might raise an eyebrow there. And I was a little bit surprised but he voted this, for this himself. Year, it was him. I was a little bit surprised he voted for himself because he's voted for Lowry the last two years. But listen, I have no problem with it. He's worked damn hard. He's gotten better every year. And he's earned the right to call himself the most valuable player on the Raptors. I'm and quite you. frankly, He's right. Listen, I've always been of the belief, or for up until recently, I've always been of the belief that Lowry is the more important Raptor and the more irreplaceable Raptor because of all the little things that he does. It doesn't necessarily reflect in the stats because DeRozan's always put up the bigger numbers. But for me, there was a pendulum shift when Lowry got hurt last year. Lowry missed most of the last two months 
of the season. DeRozan put the team on his back and, and looked like a player that we had never seen before. He's always been a scorer. He became a leader. He became an all-around player. And that momentum was carried into this season when he had the best year of his career in season 9 at 28. He's still getting better. He's, as I said, he's become more than the player, the scorer that we thought that he was. Uh, he's had himself a great season, both on and off the court, and I wrote about this as well. He, everything that he's done on the court, he's done with a heavy heart, traveling back and forth from right. Los Angeles to be with his ailing father. He's been battling depression, and to come out and, and speak on what he's been going through and empower those that are going through the same thing, uh, that to me is his biggest accomplishment of the year beyond anything that he achieved on the court. So on the court, off the court, you don't he's, need to the, sell it. he's this team's it. MVP, and Raptors fans should be proud of him. Yes, 100% well said. Uh, yes, 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 and all those accounts. Uh, we only have a minute, but one thing I wanted to address, like basically the fans, you, and the players were all in unison for all the picks with the exception of one, the most improved player... The player's pick was Siakam. The fan pick was Fred Van Vliet. And your pick was Siakam as well. Now, I voted for Fred Van Vliet as well because it's been a meteor- meteoric rise. <laughs> but at the same time, you're picking Siakam on a technicality here. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think... L- listen, it, th- this vote, most improved players, so subjective. For me, I tend not to credit those who didn't really play much the year before because... For Van Vliet, and he'll tell you this himself, the biggest difference between this year and last year for him is opportunity. Um, That's not to say that he hasn't improved, but it's opportunity, I think, more for Van Vliet, DeLon Wright, and Jakob Pertl. Listen, Siakam is a second-year player as well, and normally I wouldn't vote for a sophomore for this award, but it's not necessarily that he's improved. It's how he's improved. I don't think any of us saw him turning into a point forward, a guy that has gotten so much better handling the ball, making plays, passing, and because of that improvement on the offensive end of the floor, it's allowed him to stay on the court, even though he he still can't really shoot, at least not consistently, and it's allowed him to blossom on the defensive end, where I believe he's the Raptors' best player. So, I I mean, it's Siakam there for me by a small margin, but the fact that, listen, I interviewed, I, I surveyed 12 Raptors for that award and got seven different answers, there's seven, so seven different players. picks. Yeah. And if there's one award here, if there's one award in the voting behind it that that speaks to the reason why the Raptors exceeded expectations That's this year, why. it's most improved because of all the internal growth they've had on the roster. It's a great read. Go to tsn.ca, the Raptors end of season awards presented by... Yeah, you know him. You love him. Josh Bloomberg at JLU1050. Next time you'll hear this podcast, we'll be in the midst of playoff basketball. More frequency, more Raptors coverage coming your way on TSN, TSN.ca, and across all platforms. Uh, we're ready for it. Game 1, 5.30 Saturday at the ACC. Listen on TSN 1050. is going to be a big part of it. I'm going to try to do my part here and there as well. On behalf of JLU, I am Wheels, and this has been Jurassic Pod.